Hi there. Thanks for listening. This episode is sponsored by Matt, the Mortgage Guy, a California mortgage broker and real estate investor with your interest in mind. For good, honest advice and any of your residential financing needs, go ahead and shoot him a message at matt at themortgageguy.com or feel free to text him directly at 916-529-7600. Remember, when you're ready to apply, call Matt, the Mortgage Guy. And just so you know, for one rental at a time fans, he is waiving his $6.95 processing fee. Take care. Hey everyone, it is Wednesday and topic number three with Mr. Jonathan Twomley is, is the death of Manhattan in New York real estate over-exaggerated? Is it a myth? What is going on? I think we're starting to see some numbers and I thought I'd ask him what's going on. So how are you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing well and I'm here to report that the death of New York City has been over-exaggerated by a lot. Um, <laughs> Good, in video. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, but so listen, let's talk, let's talk about what's happening in Manhattan now. Now there has been, there have been a lot of people leaving, but let's put it in context. Um, New York, so Manhattan now has record vacancy. Yep. There has, this, New York has never seen vacancy like this since the end of World War II. But let's, what does that mean? What do you think that means? If, I, if you were to say, you know, Fresno had record vacancy since, never seen before since World War II, what percentage of vacancy would that be? In apartments, that would have to probably be, oh, I don't know, 15% maybe? 18, somewhere so, in there. In Manhattan, it's 6%. Wow. Record vacancy is 6%. Oh my God. Okay. Vacancy had basically never been above 3%, uh, like as long as I've been here. And, and, for, and records, I mean, that was the previous record was 3%. Well, so, that's why you get cap rates below four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because it's the, the, the supply demand issue is so yeah. tight here. Right. So, uh, so it's at 6%. So, so let's say like, well, 6%, that's not, horrendous apartments have not emptied out right now there uh there the vacancy rate could potentially be higher maybe it's not all being reported maybe that's the, the shadow inventory gets, yeah. yeah the institutional stuff that gets reported better you know could be but i'll just tell you from walking around here uh i'm not seeing a lot of for rent signs up i see a couple but it's not like it's just not like you know you'd ex you know retail has taken a, a hit for no doubt, right? I mean, you walk down the street and a lot of stores have closed down, but there's not a lot of like for rent signs around. There's not, there's not a lot of like visible uh, evidence of people leaving, right? Okay. And, and again, this is Brooklyn. So we're actually getting people from Manhattan coming here as well, yeah. right? So, um, but, but so there's that, let's put that in context. The other thing that's happening now is that people are starting to come back to Manhattan. Why? Well, it's a lot cheaper than it was not that long ago, right? Yeah. Landlords are offering a lot of concessions. And now a lot of people who had you know, been doubled up or tripled up or quadrupled up suddenly can afford an apartment in Manhattan. Yeah. Right? Uh, or people who left for a while and were living with mom and dad are like, you know what, this sucks. <laughs> I don't want to be living with mom and dad on Long Island. You know. Like I want to, even if there's nothing open, I still want to be able to be in the city and like go for a walk and get coffee around the corner from my house and not drive places. So yeah. leases are actually up 30% in 
uh, Montauk, Vermont in Manhattan yeah. because of this phenomenon. And interestingly enough, there's even, this is just anecdotal based on a couple of interviews, but with this whole trend of people who are moving to the suburbs and trying to get houses and the, the, pri the, the price spikes in the suburbs for houses, some of those empty nesters are cashing in and saying, hey, I've always wanted to live in Manhattan. Now I'm taking my millions that I made on my house, that you know, my five bedroom house that I don't need anymore. And I'm gonna go live in the city. So uh, it is, it's not, all of these trends are nuanced, right? It's not, it's not a one way, you know, exodus where everybody leaves. It's yeah. not everybody, you know, uh, doing the same thing. It's people moving within New York City. It's people moving out to the suburbs temporarily. Yeah, right? not, sure. These are not necessarily permanent moves or people going to rural areas because they just want to have some greenery, but they're, they're riding it out. They're not moving there, right? So uh, they're just temporarily relocating. Yeah. Uh, and we're seeing some of the people coming back now because they're tired of, you know, yeah, this, this is, or whatever. This is an important topic for folks because when you, when you look, for, look for stress in the system, right? You're a real estate investor. You want to find stress because that's where opportunities are made. And, and if you've been following my channel for any length of time, you know I've identified New York, Las Vegas, and San Francisco as the three cities I want to watch. And I have long thought, and now I think I'm going to call myself right, that Manhattan is going to recover first, right? It went down the fastest because it got hit hard in the first wave. Uh, which caused a reaction and, and caused this kind of rush of the suburbs. If you were financially affluent, you did and all of that. But I also think um, it is going to come back first. And then just to finish that thought out, I think Vegas, I don't think Vegas has seen an ounce of pain, at least in real estate. I talked to a, a broker out there, Brian Lebo, once a month. And he he's already let me know that November had a record price increase again. Wow. Seven, seventh month in a row, which is asinine. So I think Vegas is in for pain in 2021, especially if we don't get help, right? They have 20% unemployment. It's just crazy. Yeah. How can you I mean, have record is that, stuff? Is that, is that a function of people moving from California to Las Vegas and, and, and working, working at jobs that are... Um... Yes. It, it, it's what's the, what's, what, go ahead. Yeah. So basically it's a cause, it's two things. First off, supply is constrained because if you were a casino worker and you owned a home, you could go into forbearance and you're not a seller, right? Mm -hmm. So in, in last crisis, you would have been a seller because you need to get out and you need to move or something. So that's why I'm saying that the pain in Vegas is being delayed, right? They put their fingers in the dike. And yes, if you were building a half a million dollar home in Vegas, right? Which is just above their median. Their median is 371, I think he told me. Um, you're getting California people coming in, even some people from New York, and they're just yeah. paying cash. So if you're playing in what's called the high end, again, K-shaped recovery, right? I mean, come on, folks. If you're playing there and you can work from home and you're white collar, you're just going to go buy a house in Vegas. You're going to chill. So yes, um, Vegas, Texas, Nashville, Florida, lots of benefits, lots of Cal exit. San Francisco has a wealth tax they just passed, dumbasses. So again, I think New York's going to recover first. I don't, I don't think Vegas feels any pain till kind of Q1 next year, but San Francisco. They have continually made bad choices. They just passed this wealth tax. So basically no technology companies are going to want to be headquartered in San Fran. San Fran's in for a decade of pain and it has just started 20%, 30% drops. We have, 
we have tech companies that are going, forget you, San Fran. I'm going to break my 10-year lease, pay $89 million and get out of it. I'm going to move my headquarters because I don't like what's going on. San Francisco is in trouble. Capital letters, bold face, just bad. That's what I think is going on. Yeah, well, that bad, bad public policy can really, you know, yeah, do a do a whammy on you. And you know, we've talked about, you know, bad public policy that makes it hard to build, which is really, you mm-hmm. know, and and you know, the the wealth uh, inequality issue is in large part a housing issue. Sure, right? it is. It, it is that that is like probably the largest component of of wealth inequality. It's not so much on incomes. It's really on net worth and net worth, the yeah. primary driver for, you know, unless you're super wealthy, if you're a normal person, the, the primary driver of your, of your wealth is mm-hmm. your, your home. Yeah, and there's no question. People have been, you know, I guess benefiting if you own it and you've owned it for a long time, you're benefiting from the for lack sure. of supply and the anti, the anti-building mm-hmm. attitude of almost everywhere. I mean, like I said, I, I, I continue to remind people this is not like a, a, a blue state, red state issue. It does tend to be easier to build in red states, but a lot of that has to do with the fact there's just a lot of, there's a lot of land there. Land, right? yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's easier to, to go out further out as opposed to some of the older, older cities, which got, you know, in the 50s and the 60s, it was super easy to build in the New York area, right? Yep. Like Same there's ton, tons and tons and tons of suburban land available for for building uh, in the New York metropolitan, right? So, uh, but that is not the case anymore because it's all been filled up. So yeah, gonna, you, you talked about farms. Uh, I mean, I grew up in Sunnyvale, California, the heart of the Silicon Valley. And yeah. literally, I mean, I could walk there without crossing a street to a cherry orchard to like, it was a thousand acres, right? Maybe it was 900 acres. But I would go there and just have cherry fights with my friends, right? Without crossing a street, uh, yeah. it's long since gone. My, where my dad lived in Rockin County, New York, which is 15 miles from Manhattan, what until I was 16 or 17, there was a farm across the road. Yeah. Right? So like a real actual working farm. So, uh, and it's people have a hard time believing that now. Mm. The only farms that exist now are like the ones that have those like five million dollar a year, you know, pick your own apple picking operations, right? They're businesses like that. They're not, yeah. they're not, they're not, they're not really farming, you know. Yeah. Uh, they're tourist destinations. But other than that, crazy. You don't have any. You don't have any farmland left. Left. And all those farms, when they built there, they were all zoned for single family and lake, acre lot or larger. Yep. Always. Right. Yeah. So that means like, you know, twenty acre farm, twenty houses. That's it. You can't build anymore. Yeah. And. So, and all those towns restrict multifamily, or maybe they're like, oh yeah, there's a highway over here. Well, you can build one. Build one, yeah. Yeah, Uh, but when we go back to New York, the topic of this video, I think what you're seeing is is the beginnings of of almost a rush back, right? I think it fills in around Manhattan. I think while Manhattan is clearly suffering the most pain there, I think it suffered first and I think it recovers last, but I believe the recovery will come back. Uh, When New York, basically for me, New York's back when Broadway opens. that's, well, that's yeah. kind of how I feel. Yeah, I mean, when the tourists, I mean, look, the, let's just, you know, be, be truthful about it. I mean, New York is the biggest tourist destination in the world. No question. You know? And there are no, actually, there are not no tourists. There actually are tourists back here. But 
they're not back in numbers that they, that they yeah. normally would be because look, you can come here and you can like walk around the city and you can kind of sightsee a little bit. Yeah, you get some good pictures. And you can go to like some restaurants and you know, they have one quarter seating available if they're not indoors or whatever. But yeah. I mean, so you can do some stuff, but Broadway is gone. You can't go to the observation deck of the World Trade Center. Like you can't do all that. You can't get on a sweaty little boat to go to cramp, you know, pack to the gills to go to the Statue of Liberty, yeah. unless you're insane. And, um, you know, so all that stuff is gone. And until we get a vaccine and people are happy to get on planes again, yeah. foreign tourists are willing to come to the United States again. And that's a huge problem. I mean, yeah, our reputation is kind of crap around yeah. the world right now. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, I think New York. I think New York is going to be bananas in the summer. I think just like I talked about homeowners, like the inventory comebacking in a rush. I think that that the top top destination places in New York City is number one. It's going to be bananas. It's just going to be bananas. I don't. I don't know. I think it's going to be a little bit muted. And really? It's really? Okay. Good. Yeah, because I just don't think the vaccines are going to get rolled out that fast. And I and I we'll and see. I think that and I think that there's still going to be enough people who are like. We got the whole anti-vaxxer movement, and now we're going to have like an anti-vaxxer movement on steroids, and then yeah. all the crazies who think like the vaccine is just Bill Gates trying to inject a microchip. Into it. <laughs> I think that's so funny. Um, so even I, though I don't think he actually had anything to do with any of the vaccines that were being talked about right now, but still, yeah. you know, he's gonna he's gonna figure out how to get his microchip into you. Through, yeah, of course, of course, through somebody else's vaccine, uh, and. <laughs> So you know, we'll see how quickly we get this under control, even when the vaccines uh, roll out. Well, let's see. I, I again, I think I think we're going to see. Generally speaking, the rest of the world's going to be kind of pro-vaccine. I don't get a sense of anti-vaxxers around the world. And frankly, if you're a tourist in Japan or Asia anywhere, and you're you're kind of immune, or at least you feel immune, you feel trusted. I think you're going to take the deals. I think New York's going to be on sale in the summer, and I think you're going to see just a spike in foreign tourists. At least maybe that's a hope more than a. Think, but I think it's coming. I would love to see it, but I'm I remain okay. skeptical that this is the year. Maybe 2022 is the year, and okay. you know, hopefully, some of these institutions can hold off until then. But yeah, uh, cool. You know, yeah. Well, thank thank you for this topic. It's been a great day. We kind of got depressed talking about the unemployment <laughs> uh, in episode one. We got excited about the winners and losers in episode two, and episode three is New York is coming back. Uh, there's a little disagreement between us about how fast, but that's all good. So I want to thank you for your time, Jonathan. Absolutely. It's always great fun. And I look forward to this every week, Michael. Thanks, buddy. Take care.